0: Welcome to a special presentation of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm Mike Burbridge, host of the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast and Senior Director of Content Strategy and Marketing Futures at the ANA. Folks, get ready for the crossover event of the century as my co-host today is none other than Matthew Schwartz, host of ANA's Champions of Growth Podcast and Senior Manager of Editorial and Content Development at the ANA.
1: Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while now, and I'm just so excited to jump in. I think we got a re- pretty great show for it's
1: us. It's finally happening, man.
0: Absolutely. It's finally happening. It's all, everything before has led up to this very mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we begin, I wanted to give a very special shout-out to the third musketeer of the ANA Podcast Network, our boss, Ken Beaulieu host of ANA's Beyond Profit Podcast, an EVP of Editorial and Content Development, ANA's Center for Brand Purpose, and ANA's new Brands for Humanity Coalition. Now, as you might surmise from his title, he's an insanely busy man, and unfortunately he couldn't be here as a result but it would just feel, it would feel wrong not to, to we, give him a shout we'd out. We'd be remiss. Yes, he's had a hell of a year, yeah. folks. He's uh, And he's a
1: pretty good guy, too. He's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Matthew, in all seriousness, the Beyond Profit podcast covers brand purpose and it's been an incredibly important topic in recent years. So how about we chat a little bit about the topic in Kenstead? That sound good to you?
1: Yeah, it sounds great. Purpose, of course, was a main topic of conversation at the recent Masters of Marketing Conference uh, mm-hmm. last October. Absolutely. Quite, quite the buzz, quite the hallway conversation. But at the same time, there seems to be a pretty wide gap in uh, clarity when it comes to purpose. Yes. Uh, this is not a PR campaign. This is not a marketing device. This is not a synonym for the brand. There's a lot more clarity needed in this area. And I think half the battle may be, when it comes to purpose, in marketers defining the why. Mm. Why, is our, why do we have this purpose? What is the broader appeal? Because purpose is not your mission statement. Mission statement is pretty clear cut, OK? But purpose, there's a lot more nuance involved. Uh, this has to be internally driven. Marketing can provide the connective tissue, if you will, like it usually does, but this has to involve HR, finance, product development, the C-suite, of course. Again, what's the cause in a broader context, and what does the trajectory look like? What is this Mm -hmm. brand purpose going to look like in three or four years as you see it through and start to execute it?
0: Absolutely. I think there was a little bit of a conversation that began, but sort of evolved about If brand purpose was a little bit overhyped as a business practice, and I think you just nailed it. I don't think brand purpose is uh, unimportant. I don't think there's a Mm -hmm, world where that's mm -hmm. possible, but it's the execution, the follow-through, the processes, and the culture. Mm -hmm. It needs to be baked into everything. Like you said, this is not a press release. This Mm -hmm. is not a marketing campaign. Uh, If you're going to go in on brand purpose, you really need to go all in
1: all in you have to operationalize it it's part of this larger conversation we have of maybe not breaking down the silos but certainly dismantling them so the channels can speak to one another more closely everyone's on board everyone's in the same sandbox because if you're not in that same sandbox it is a short trip to purpose washing mm-hmm. and from purpose washing it's a short trip to being accused of god knows what on twitter and facebook and the rest that's why this is not a quick fix best example I could think of for a real legitimate correlation when it comes to purpose is Patagonia, Mm -hmm. in which the CEO just transferred all the profits to climate change. So here is a $3 billion company, okay, Mm -hmm. going to combat climate change. And this is coming from a company who, again, says, we need to save the earth and we need it from a brand that markets and espouses the outdoors. That's a legitimate connection and that's how brands need to think about these things.
0: Absolutely. You know, I had the chance to visit ANA member Granger in Chicago a few years back and had the pleasure of talking to their marketing department about the future of marketing. And brand purpose was really on their mind. And the way I kind of summed it up and, and I think that the owner of Patagonia really emphasized that I might have been onto something there is what is your company willing to lose some money over what is so important to the foundational nature of Mm -hmm. your company Mm -hmm. that a bad q1 is worth it for that larger goal Mm -hmm. and i know that that's not a comfortable conversation to have
1: it's not but it has to be had and we need to have more of these uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. regarding marketing now mike of course purpose was top of mind during the masters conference a lot Mm -hmm. of kibitzing about purpose, but one thing that wasn't talked about, which was a bit curious, was the metaverse. Okay, Mm quote-unquote. Okay, a bit curious, and Ken came back that he was a little shocked that there was a conversation about the metaverse. But you, with Marketing Futures, have been covering the metaverse quite closely, drilling down on what this all means. So, Mike, What in the hell is the metaverse?
0: (laughs) Matthew, I'm really glad you asked because I have been up to my ears all year long in metaverse conversations with some of the smartest people in the industry. And I am here to report that the metaverse doesn't exist. It's not a thing yet. It doesn't exist. What we have is a lot of open world games that seem like they're limitless and offer things that older games or older platforms didn't offer. However, a metaverse is a completely interoperable network with theoretically limitless bandwidth. I need to be able to create something in Roblox, buy something at the Nike store, and bring that all into Fortnite seamlessly, or the metaverse doesn't exist. And let me tell you, the technology to make that possible, that doesn't exist either. So what we have now is this beautiful idea that most experts agree will come to fruition, and believe it or not, that's good news for marketers. You know, I'll tell you from talking about the metaverse and learning about it all year long, I understand why it might seem curious that there was not as much buzz about it by October, but it's not really surprising to me because I think more and more brands are realizing that there is a very finite amount of things you can do right now Mm -hmm. in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. However, This is your opportunity to dip your toe into the water. One of the standout presentations from Masters was from Eos and how they were able to jump on a TikTok singular post, not even a trend, a singular TikTok post, and that led to an incredible campaign and an actual new line of products for them. If EOS hadn't already been on TikTok, if they hadn't already been learning that environment, the greatest opportunity in the world could pop up and they would not have been able to capitalize on it the way they did. You need to know what the metaverse is going to be about. You can learn the fundamentals right now by going into these Minecraft, Decentraland, Roblox, pick your universe, and just see how people are interacting in there. See what people are paying attention to in there. Mm -hmm. See what you like and you don't like. Mm -hmm.
1: And right now, in terms of, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's Mm -hmm. an iterative process.
0: If you have that money, and you want to build something in the metaverse, I say please do. You know, we need some pioneers out there Mm -hmm. to figure out what's going to work and Mm -hmm. what's not. One thing I'm begging you though, don't recreate your retail space in the metaverse, Mm -hmm. okay? We've seen Mm -hmm. it happen a couple of times.
1: it's like content marketing. Content marketing is not an advertisement through a strainer. Yes. It is a totally separate animal, but yes. go ahead, I'm sorry for
0: interrupting. No, it's just the metaverse are where impossible things are possible. So don't give me another department store to walk through. Put it in a cloud, mm-hmm. turn it upside down, mm-hmm. put it mm-hmm. under water. Mm-hmm. Do anything, because anything is what you can do in yeah. the metaverse. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that, because I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> The Beyond Profit Podcast is part of a as Center for Brand Purpose. Host Ken Bolu serves up inspirational and insightful interviews with today's foremost leaders in the purpose movement. This podcast will help you learn about the power of purposeful marketing and why being a force for good can be a game changer in a competitive marketplace. Check out ana.net slash podcast for more. You know... Personally, I think we're all getting a little bit ahead of ourselves absolutely because why are you worrying about the metaverse? Yep. When you can't get a handle of your own Martech stack
1: part of the problem here is too many marketers look upon Martech as a project this really has to be uh, methodical and This whole notion of "set it and forget it. I think is really hurting marketers and I think what's also hurting marketers when it comes to Martech is just frankly a lack of uh, being more discriminating you know mm-hmm. you only have X amount of dollars and X and, and budgets are finite and you have to stop chasing the, the shiny new thing okay it's not gonna work mm-hmm. it has to be the right mix of talent which is key and as uh, this fellow from McKinsey told me it's not necessarily the martech in and of itself okay that will do you fine it's more how you handle it and how you execute it and with that it's the right mix of talent. And it's not data scientists will solve everything or the cure-all. No, because mm-hmm. data scientists are not necessarily operators or product managers. And tech managers often sit outside of marketing. Mm-hmm. So these are all things you need to take care of, all things you, you need to uh, do uh, to get a better grip on this MarTech stuff. And this will happen. This is not unsolvable. Mm-hmm. But with the goalposts constantly moving, integration is mission critical.
0: Absolutely. And and I just add in, you know, in technology and innovation, the golden rule is you start with a need. If you don't know what you want your MarTech to do, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what you need the most help at from your MarTech, you need to stop looking at the different platforms Mm -hmm. and stop talking to vendors Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. clarify that for yourself. Because if you're getting solutions in search of problems, I've got really bad news for you. Mm -hmm. You know? yeah, and
1: we'll come back to that in terms of what are our needs? What does the CEO want mm-hmm. ultimately? To see what does CFO want in terms of spike in the top and bottom lines? Not what marketing wants. And of course, Mike, at base with a lot of these things, whether it's Martech or ultimately leading to the metaverse, a lot of this stuff is AI-based. Mm-hmm. Something also you've covered closely with the marketing futures. What's going on with AI? Where are we? Are we still on the top of the second ending with this stuff?
0: So, I don't want to sound like a broken record, Matthew, but AI? Artificial intelligence? Doesn't exist yet. Think about this. Artificial intelligence is machinery, computation that mimics the human brain. Step one is for us to figure out how the human brain works. We don't know what consciousness is, truly. We have no definition in a scientific sense of what consciousness is. So how in goodness' name could we make a computer brain when we don't understand how our own human ones work? Uh, now, I'm not saying that AI will never come. I do believe the neural net is in our future. Uh, I say this a lot on the podcast. People overestimate the, what can be done in one year and underestimate what can happen in 10. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, I'm what,
1: steal that, by the way. Please, ahead.
0: it's all yours. <laughs> but what does exist right now is automation. And that can be a game-changer in so many parts of an organization, both in the customer-facing and back-end areas. And let me just put a few things out there. No, the Google AI system did not become sentient. I know a lot of people might remember that story. That is the equivalent of when a dog learns to say, I love you. It's uh, impressive. It's adorable. It doesn't mean the dog learned English. It was just a very well-designed algorithm that was doing its job. Speaking of jobs, AI is not taking yours. Catherine Rabant, who was a guest on the Marketing Futures podcast, put it very well, AI doesn't know anything. It can execute tasks, it can perform calculations, but it needs to be told what to do. It has no internal strategy, it has no internal knowledge, and therefore, it will always need to be managed. Just as there aren't factories completely empty and devoid of people, because what happens when a machine breaks? What happens when there need to be calibrations? That is a human thing and will always remain a human thing. So everybody, exhale right now. A computer program's not taking your job.
1: Breathe easy, Mike, and Mm -hmm. I get that, but I wanna ask you, with AI, is it the same principle with data in general, that it's very important that marketers have to pay very close attention not to become subordinate to
0: mm-hmm. the data?
1: I think marketers were a lot happier and a lot more content 10, 15 years ago when they manipulated the data, when they were in charge of the data, rather than being enslaved to the data. Mm-hmm. Is, is that part
0: of the conversation here? Is that part of what needs to go on? It's absolutely. It's an extension of what you were talking about with MarTech. AI is helping you get a job done. It is not taking the reins. Everything that you've always been responsible for, understanding your customer, driving creative, understanding the psychological and emotional triggers, AI is not going to figure that out for you. It can help you do low-hanging fruit work. It can take all of that out of your hands, and it can leave you to that creative work. I think that it opens the doors for more creativity if we're not sorting through spreadsheets and adding things up and making pivot tables. If all of that can happen in a fraction of a second, mm-hmm. then you have your day to really understand your consumer better, to read things outside the marketing world and draw that inspiration mm-hmm. in. That is the AI opportunity. It's not to put it on. It's not a set it and forget it.
1: So ideally, the AI opportunity is you can still marinate in your right brain, mm-hmm. creative. You need to be aware and understand the left brain stuff. Absolutely. But, but by no means do you have to be an expert. And as we put in an A newsstand piece earlier, marketers don't necessarily have to code.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Okay, and, and perhaps that could be a logical conclusion all this stuff, but that's not the case, right?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, if it's personally interesting to you, I think it can give you a little bit of a leg up, but can, so could studying psychology. You know what I mean? There are things you can specialize in, but coding isn't some be-all, end-all future of marketing. Now, as we were just talking about, AI can kind of clear the way to you making Bigger, better, more immersive, more engaging digital experiences. And the consumer experience has really taken center stage, I'd say, in the last half decade, no so doubt. much so that there is a new new kid on the block. Exactly, a new kid on the <laughs> block in the C suite. You bet. The chief experience officer. Yep. And this feels like the twelfth new C-level person that might give our CMOs. A little bit of heartburn absolutely absolutely
1: and that's putting it mildly but uh, yeah this is another thread in this uh, uh, confusing quilt for CMOs right now who of course are increasingly on the hook for more accountability and better returns from the C-suite but now they're getting more competition from the chief experience officer the chief revenue officer the chief strategy officer and this wave of new C-level titles comes amid what I think is rather troubling in this downward trajectory in CMO tenure mm-hmm. It's just about 40 months now so and God knows it takes you know six months to find the bathroom at a big company're so <laughs> we're, we're not talking about a lot of time here true and that's according to the latest Spencer Stewart CMO tenure report It's the lowest tenure since 2009 and you just think about what's happened to marketing since 2009 it may as well be prehistoric in terms of what's been going on mm-hmm. I had Greg Welch on Champions of Growth. he's a, he's a partner at Spencer Stewart who authors this uh, tenure. CMO tenure study. And he had an interesting take on things. He was saying that this decline in CMO tenure is partly a function of CMOs getting promoted. And what's more, that the media tend to uh, hype up the headlines when there's a, uh, uh, a major CMO shakeup. And that's all well and good and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that CMO tenure is declining and it's declining amid this other hornet's nest, if you will, which is major global brands getting rid of the CMO function altogether. Lowe's, General Mills come to mind. I think that's a very unnerving trend for the business. In fairness, Coca-Cola and McDonald's, two of the biggest global brands in human history, vacated the global CMO role in recent years only to resurrect the position to bring more unity to their brand. So I think we need to watch this space And A, whether other brands drop the CMO altogether, and also whether a lot of these relatively nascent C-level titles are a boon or a bust to CMOs. Either way, I think the fact that some companies are getting rid of the CMO is problematic in the aggregate. Mm -hmm. Again, as I said earlier, CMOs provide that connective tissue throughout the entire organization. And good CMOs know how to educate the CEO and the CFO on what the signposts mean and how to anticipate real and legitimate change in the marketplace. For instance, executing a human-centric approach in a post-digital age.
0: Absolutely. Mike,
1: that's something you've been talking about on Marketing Futures quite a bit.
0: It really has. Uh, And before I jump to that, I just want to kind of add my two cents to the CMO dilemma. It might serve CMOs well to take a look at the titles that are being added in an attempt to shuffle them down. Chief Growth Officer, Chief Revenue Officer, Chief Experience Officer, Chief Customer Mm -hmm. Officer.
1: Yeah, that's like the CEO bringing a big
0: cinder block down on the head of the CMO if you mm-hmm. will, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's an unintentional message of where their focus right. should be. Right. You know, if you're the marketer, you need to have your company's revenue and your business model and your PNL well in hand. You need to know that growth, not maintenance, is the goal. You need to be the champion of the customer because I'm telling you nobody else in your organization is or will be, and you have to understand that experiences are replacing messaging at a breakneck pace. In the digital transformation of marketing, we forgot that the people we're marketing to are still people, humans. Yep. And Nicole Levings from Audience Collective was recently on the Marketing Futures podcast discussing a recent report they did on this very subject. And the central conceit of the report is that brands need to make sure they're making their customers' lives easier as well as their own. That a piece of technology can do something is great, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it should. I mean, I think we've all been in a situation where you're talking to a chatbot on a website, it can't give you exactly what you want, but there's also no way to get in touch with a human. Yep. That is one of the most frustrating digital experiences you could possibly have and it does a ton of damage to the brand.
1: And that's relatively low hanging fruit too.
0: Absolutely. You know, customer service should not be an overthought. I mean, there are very simple questions that, you know, the frequently asked questions automate that, make Mm -hmm. it an interactive experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea, Mm -hmm. but people need people. They trust people and ultimately Back to our AI conversation, there are some problems that a chatbot's never going to be able to fix. And in those moments, you need connection to a human Mm -hmm. or your brand's going to suffer. You know, it's funny, in 2021, ANA's marketing word of the year, we go out to our members and we survey them on the most vital word of the year. And in 2021, it was diversity. And I think that it's already out in case, uh, sorry. Bringing uh, a little news here. Yeah, sorry if I'm scooping somebody else (laughs) in the uh, organization, but the 2022 marketing word of the year is inclusion. So this is obviously front and center on the marketer's agenda, but we're taking some steps. We've got a long way to go, but you know what I think is kind of interesting is that diversity was a focus and now inclusion is a focus but we skipped over one on our way. Interesting. And it's a very important one, equity. We see that the percentages of minority employees in marketing, they're improving. Unless you look at the C-suite, unless you look at upper management, unless you look at leadership, and we are still almost in the same exact dire position that we were yep. five years ago.
1: Yeah, and you get up, you get up the uh, food chain, yeah, and we're still looking at a predominantly white and male universe, and mm-hmm. that is problematic. And Mike, I really think the real work for the marketing industry on DEI is just beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm old enough to remember through the years various stages in the industry where we're too white, we're too male, we're not diverse enough, and then there's a bunch of self-flagellation and a string of articles and adage saying how we must address this topic. And then two or three months later, it's back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a, things are a little different this time. I'd like to think they're different. And if they are different, I think it's purely a function of demos and the reality out there and the And the vastly changing complexion of the country. Very important for marketers to know that the nation will become minority white by 2045. Mm -hmm. And between 2018 and 2060, the combined racial minority population will grow by 74 percent, according to the U.S. Census. Now, as you said just a moment ago, there's been some progress in the marketing industry but more than a few miles to go. Right now, the industry is about 30% diverse in the US in 2021. That was up slightly from 2018, according to a ANA DEI report released earlier this year, but that's well below the median because the median is roughly 42% diverse in the US. I had this interesting conversation on my podcast earlier this year with Natasha Miller-Williams, who's head of diversity and inclusion at food company Ferrara. And I think she provided a pretty good window on how companies are grappling and starting to model this. Ferrara has a DEI council, which spans the company. There are 45 members, including the CEO. So there's C suite buy in, which is critical for DEI. If you don't get that, it's probably going to be a futile exercise. And it's really also marketers thinking collaboratively to think about culture, which you mentioned, Mike, mm-hmm. earlier in the conversation, supply chain and measurement you need to articulate the business case for diversity ex- which is expanding the tent for consumers moving beyond these historical and traditional boundaries which frankly put brands in a little cubbyhole hmm okay brands need to figure out how they're gonna show up okay how they are going to be present and present is not hey let's do a sponsor for the gay pride parade okay that's again that's the, that that's just Cost of entry, I think, if Absolutely. you're going if, if to make an impact, and this is also part and parcel of a larger conversation of recruiting and retaining new talent, which is a key part of the DEI conversation, and another element of DEI is the move among brands to embrace people who identify as non-binary.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it's really wild when you look at the younger generations because obviously right now. This is a very political, divisive topic, but being in the future's realm, I'm always keeping my eye on Gen Z and even Gen Alpha who's following Yep. And among that generation, this conversation's over and it's been agreed. Self-identifying conservative Gen Z individuals say absolutely gender is fluid. Mm -hmm. That's no longer a binary argument as our generations continue to age up to maturity.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really valid point, Mike, and I think that's where the curve is going, that these things which get the political tag slapped on it immediately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, to the younger generations, to your future customers and prospects, this stuff is not political and the future is definitely fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are talking about broad appeals. If I could just rattle off a couple of really salient stats. Hit them with the numbers. 74% of LGBTQ plus people, and 61% of non-LGBTQ plus people think that sexuality will become more fluid in the future. That's according to a report released this month by WPP titled Beyond the Rainbow, which Mm -hmm. delves in LGBTQ plus marketing and its futures. Another salient data point from that study, 80% 80% think LGBTQ representation would be improved by a more diverse range of LGBTQ characters and people, while 76% want to see more content created by LGBTQ people. We're in the early days here, but again, this has to be included in the entire fabric of brand building.
0: For anybody out there who, and I understand that from an outsider's lens, it could look like the world's changing at a really strong place and and all of this is coming out of nowhere. To anybody who kind of has that feeling, it's understandable, but I would remind you that left-handedism in the United States was almost non-existent (laughs) until around the 60s or 70s. And what happened in the 60s or 70s is that teachers stopped punishing students for using their left hands. And then, mm-hmm. astonishingly, because there was no social punishment for being who you were, left handedism sp- springs up mm-hmm. like it happened out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. The world isn't necessarily changing, we're all just seeing more of it. With everything we're talking about right now, with the metaverse, with inclusive, diverse, and equitable marketing and and business practices, brand safety, all kinds of things. Marketers are going to have to tackle all of these issues against the backdrop of a sluggish economy with a recession looming large. Matthew, what are you thinking about this,
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the, uh, in fairness, you know, we've seen some of the industries go down a little bit. I read a piece the other day that says inflation may have peaked, but, At the same time, that's somewhat speculative, and no one's got a crystal ball here. Mm -hmm. And you can talk to 10 uh, Nobel Prize winning economists. I don't even think they know what's going on really half Mm -hmm. the time. But as far as marketing is concerned, I'll come back to the quote from the ANA CEO, Bob Liades, who said at Masters, in the next few months, if you have not already been asked, you're going to be asked to cut your budgets. You're going to be asked to find ways to save money. This is not the time to do that. And the onus is on marketers to prove their worth of their investments, be more discriminating in their spending and allocations. But it will take a CMO roughly five to ten minutes to come up with some voluminous data mm-hmm. showing that brands that stayed the course, that maintained their, if not boosted their marketing budgets during rough times, came out for the better on the other side compared to other brands that got into a defensive crouch and decided to cut the marketing budget. A recessionary environment, not necessarily recession in and of itself, but a recessionary environment forces marketing leaders to demonstrate areas outside of lead gen demand where they are adding value, whether that's customer engagement and retention, new talent, branding, sales enablement, I think for the next several months, if not well into 2023, I think it's going to be a do more with less environment. And that, again, that's even if the economy does dodge a recessionary bullet. So marketers, with all this mishigas they got to deal with the day-to-day and all these various channels and buckets they got to manage, they're going to have to do it with some capacity uh, somewhat compromised.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What's and, your take, Mike?
0: Well, to say one of the easiest ways to take a guess at the future is to take a look at the past. We're very cyclical creatures. We live a very cyclical existence. Everybody is going to have to make sacrifices. That is the reality of tough times, but please go in with a plan to stand up for what you're doing. You know, it's going to be so vital now, but for goodness sake, that's what you should be doing as a standard practice. Be proud of what you're doing. Do the work to prove that it's making a difference. And really, you can't kowtow and expect marketing to keep its place at the table.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it's I think in the next few months, and again with this sort of shaky economy, I think nuance is going to be really crucial when it comes to predicting the future and getting too ahead of, uh, of what's going on. My recommendation would be to manage methodically. Don't get too far ahead of yourselves. And most important, manage those expectations, which could go awry if things go sideways economically
0: wise words from my co-host. Well, Matthew, to give this episode, this very special episode from the ANA Podcast Network, a little bit of a bookend, I want to take us back to Masters of Marketing, the ANA's premier event each and every year. Bob Liadis, our CEO, hosts, and he talks to every single speaker after they're done presenting. And one constant is he asks everyone to give that one key takeaway that they want their listeners to go home, really internalize and really think about. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and steal from our CEO and I'm gonna pose this question to you, Matthew. You've spoken to some luminaries, some leaders, some really fascinating people this year on the Champions of Growth podcast. What was the one key takeaway from all of your conversations that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think I'd have to settle on uh, Jonathan Kapolsky Uh, who's a a senior lecturer of marketing at Northwestern University. He's also the former CMO at Deloitte, and he's the co-author of The Transformation Myth, which was published last year by MIT Press. Uh, And Jonathan makes these really valid points stemming from his book that this notion of transformation, which is not novel, of course. What's different now about transformation is the attitude, that there is some destination here, to online nirvana, or at least satisfaction in which the marketing and the marketing teams with liaising with the IT can say, OK, we're done. Not going to happen. Nope. Not going to happen. This is, an, this, is, this is an Homeric journey. It's a degree of change that's taking place that is not tactical or strategic, quote unquote. It's making a pivot marketers need to get much better at risk management. We've got this, you know, ever-growing channels. So when marketers go to the trouble of creating an ad campaign, creating a marketing effort, creating a sponsorship, cultivating with a different community, there are all these players involved here. And it's really important to manage those players and mitigating any potential disruptions so the campaign doesn't ultimately go awry. In my mind, I don't want CMOS to get into a position where they're playing the role of Peter Sellers as President Merkin Mufflin and Dr. Strangelove, (laughs) describing Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper wrongly activating nuclear missiles, and then having to sheepishly explain to the Soviet Premier that there's uh, long-range missiles going to your country, and there's nothing we can do about it. The metaphor may be a little dramatic, but (laughs) the point is is that you don't want to get into that C-suite and say, Well, you know what? So-and-so vendors or so-and-so partners, they went ahead and did a silly thing. And now everything's been screwed up and we got the campaign out, but it's going to be less effective because so-and-so said this or so-and-so did that. That is going to be, I think, increasingly important moving ahead, as Jonathan said, this idea of risk management and spreading that risk management. The overall here, of course, is being C-suite conversant. I think something a lot of CMOs... Struggle with because they get into the C suite and they start talking marketing ease,
0: absolutely, and not
1: financial ease, and not legally ease, if you will. That's something that real marketers must strive for in 2023 and beyond, in terms of convincing the CEO and the CFO that marketing is an investment and not a cost center and not a burden. And the uh, addendum to that is talent finding and keeping the right talent, and that is all part of this whole mix of DEI and moving beyond the binary. It all comes back to talent. It all comes back to who's gonna be on your team and who's gonna bring that new thinking, that expanded aperture to, to your vision. So now, Mike, I wanna pass that question back to you and tell us who was your uh, most exciting guest this year, and what did you learn about the future of social media?
0: Yeah, I would like to talk uh, about that before I kind of land on the most salient point or the most inspiring, powerful thing I've heard all year. So I'm gonna do something I usually don't and talk about the present for a while. Uh, My head's usually five to 10 years down, but I think right now we do need to talk about social media. Twitter is going through a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. A lot of brands are not certain that brand safety is still being effectively maintained on the platform. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. Meta made a big gamble of starting its journey into the metaverse in 2020, 2021. I don't recall officially when that press release came out. And I've heard reports These are not substantiated, but that they are out and that they're not immediately dismissible of double-digit monthly active users in Meta's metaverse. Double-digit, Double-digit, that. Not encouraging. No, especially after a multi-billion dollar investment. I think that this is something that we must remember that maybe not in the scale or dramatic nature that we're going through it right now, we've been here before. Myspace came and went, Friendster came and went, along with another dozen social media platforms. Clubhouse anybody? Uh, Oh my goodness, yes, that was uh, an amazing 120 days. But I don't want anybody to think that we're on our way to being done with social media. Much like a variety of different marketing topics, we can't think about one platform or one channel as the be-all, end-all, or even our focus. Social media has never been about Twitter, Meta, MySpace, any of it. It's been about a two-way relationship with media where people can imbue their own opinions, their own reactions, their own personalities, their own characteristics and identities onto media. They can begin a dialogue about, around, or even with, in some cases, media. And it's something that we've never had before, and it's something consumers are never going to let go. They want and need that modicum of control, and brands have no choice but to give it to them. And very much like gaming, it doesn't matter Xbox, PlayStation, that's not the point. Gaming allows us to completely and totally interact with media. It allows us to shape virtual worlds based on our decisions and actions. That's what's important. That's what's empowering, and that's what marketers need to leverage, not any one platform. I think, you know, if you look back historically, whenever our marketing department set up a team that was just channel specific, that team was being moved around to different departments Mm -hmm. inside of Mm -hmm. two years Mm -hmm. because things change at such a pace that It's not knowing all about TikTok, it's understanding where our relationship with media is headed, and realizing that we're not playing a passive role in that. And that leads me to the best thing I've heard all year, and it's from a futurist, Tamika Vasquez, and she said, the future is not something that we are going to arrive at. The future is something that we shape every single day with our actions, our inactions, and our decisions. Matthew, can I ask you a question? Of course. Have you ever been to the future? I have not. Neither have I. And I'm like the future's guy around here. You're never gonna be there at the future. It's not about a destination, Mm -hmm. as Matthew Mm -hmm. said Mm -hmm. earlier in transformation. It's time to fall in love with the process Mm -hmm. of building a better brand, Mm -hmm. a better market, and a better world because there are no finish lines. So start to love the journey because if you can, man, do things get way more fun. Well, my friend, I think we've done some good work today. I think we've covered a whole lot of ground here.
1: Mike, I always feel a little smarter whenever we have these conversations.
0: That makes two of us, buddy. On behalf of my good friend and co-host, Matthew Schwartz, host of ANA's Champions for Growth podcast, I'm Mike Burbridge host of the Marketing Futures Podcast, saying have a happy, healthy holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year.
1: Happy and healthy. Thanks for having me.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And, as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.